the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we welcome you this morning to worship with Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church. We're delighted that you're with us over the airways and an opportunity for us to be able to give thanks and praise to Almighty God. So we invite you to join with us in our call to worship. We gather, O Lord, in our homes today to worship you. Come, Holy Spirit, Spirit, and be and with, with us. us. While we may be in various locations, we are still one in the Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and be with us. Just as you did with Ezekiel, breathe into us so we may live. Praise and honor to you, O Lord, while we worship you this day. Our hymn is number 181 in the hymnal, but it's also in your bulletin. Lord, who throughout these 40 days. Brothers and sisters in Christ, believe the good news. In, in Jesus Christ, Christ we are forgiven. Thanks be to God.
join me in prayer. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Today's Old Testament reading comes from Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophecy over these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophecy to the breath, prophecy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God.
morning comes from John's Gospel, the 11th chapter. I'm reading portions of that chapter, not the whole 45 verses. For the last two Sundays, there have been very extensive and lengthy scripture passages. But this Sunday, I'm doing portions of this one to get the emphasis of what is in the passage. So John 11, verses 1 through 5, they will pick up in verse 20, and then again in 33. Listen now for God's word. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though, Jesus loved Mary and her sister Martha and Lazarus. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, they will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. And then the verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, could he not, he who opened the eyes of the blind man not kept this man from dying? And Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone, Martha. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there's a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I know, knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Then the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, they believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I've mentioned before how hard it is to figure out sermon titles. Titles that are chosen early in the week may or may not have any connection to where the sermon ends up. And I also wonder if people really even notice about sermon titles. So it's always kind of a question for those of us that preach on a regular basis. But this week I'm struck about the appropriateness of today's sermon title, Living or Dying. It seems to me that that has been the theme in the entire world for the past several weeks with the onslaught of COVID-19. It's all the news with over a half a million people infected at this time, and now the U.S. has the highest number of infected persons than any country in the world. We all wonder, will we contract the virus? And then if we do, Will we live or will we die? About a year before I retired, I went into therapy. I went into therapy for a couple reasons. Because I was clueless about retirement. 
having worked all my life, I knew nothing different. I'd seen so many people who retired and were lost in a couple of months of what to do with themselves. Their honeydew lists were only so long, and some folks just could not make it. They became depressed or lifeless. They became without purpose. So part of my therapy was what was I going to do and what was I going to be in retirement? But the other purpose of the therapy was to work on the issue of mortality. Sounds rather strange coming from a minister, but I realized I had dealt with the deaths of lots of other people, but never dealt with my own death. And it was time to work through and grapple with how I viewed life and what life was going to be all about when the, quote, vocation was no longer center stage. It was a grand experience to deal with these two life changes, and I'm convinced that anyone who has any notion of retiring in the next couple of years needs to find a counselor. Because retirement becomes a critical phase of one's life. It's like a third of our lives. It's a great portion of life that needs to be lived fully. The pa pandemic has forced all of us to face up to our own mortality. It has forced all of us to change our normal patterns of daily living. It's reminded us that we're often not the determiners of our future. It's reminded us that we're not invincible and some things are just simply out of our control and mastery. It's also called us to be accountable with our behaviors and our practices and our responsibility for our health and for our well-being as well as that for others. It's been an incredible wake-up call like no others for the United States of America as well as for the world. And when you add to the health crisis, the economic impact, all of us will be affected, even if we're never infected. It is a chilling time. It was a chilling time for Martha and Mary and Jesus when Lazarus became ill and when he died. This story gives us insights into the character and personality of Jesus that we often just don't see. Jesus evidently was very close to this family. They were good friends and they enjoyed each other's company. And we're told some things about Jesus that we often don't hear. We're reminded in verse 2 that Mary had anointed Jesus with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair when he had visited with them previously. In verse 3, it says, Jesus loved Lazarus, for the message from the sisters was, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Verse 5 declares, accordingly, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Verse 33, Jesus was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. Verse 35, Jesus began to weep. Verse 38, Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. There's a side of vulnerability and openness and deep abiding love of Jesus for this family and especially for Lazarus. It is very touching and extremely personal. But is not that who Jesus is? We loudly proclaim that Jesus is both human and divine. But I think it takes a story like this one to put real meaning to the fact that Jesus was a human being. He had feelings. Jesus had emotions. Jesus was a real friend to this family. He cared deeply about them, and this story illustrates that reality. How personal is Jesus in your life? How vulnerable are you willing to be to this person called Jesus? How close will you let Jesus be to you, or do you need to keep him at a distance? Dan Bagby, the former pastoral care professor at the Baptist Theological Seminary at Richmond, identified four qualities of friendship in the work he did through the years with various groups and organizations. He said a friend is someone who accepts you as you are, a friend is faithful to you in all circumstances. 
A friend can be honest with you in a caring and kind way. A friend listens to you and comforts you when you're distressed. When I read these qualities which are identified as what it means to be a friend, if they don't describe Jesus, I don't know what does. Now, to be honest, I've been a bit squeamish when I'll talk about Jesus being my friend or being my bud or being my BFF. And the reason is that I often think of Jesus as being Lord of my life, not my best buddy. Someone who holds me accountable, someone who has demands on my life. Yet maybe I have discounted too much this human side of Christ. Maybe I've discounted what Jesus did in this story about Lazarus. Maybe I have held Jesus at arm's length so he could not get too close. But it seems to me that is Jesus' desire, to be close, to be an honest friend, to be a real friend to us. For Jesus accepts us even when we cannot accept ourselves. Jesus is faithful to me in all circumstances. His promises are never broken or abandoned. Jesus is honest with me and holds me accountable, but in a caring and kind sort of way. Jesus listens to me and hears my prayers even when I'm not clear what I'm praying about, nor sure of what I need. What else would you want beside you? Who else would you want beside you in the time of a pandemic? When we feel at loose ends, when we're unsure of the future, when we really are not in charge, when we are so incredibly vulnerable. A really good friend who accepts me, comforts me, holds me accountable, and never leaves me. I think Jesus in these days can be that true friend as we walk through some incredible unknown waters and down some paths we've never tread. In the story, Jesus was a friend, but Jesus also was more than just a friend. The difficult experience of the death of Lazarus was poignant and very moving. The encounter about the death was very revealing. There seemed to be some confusion of whether Lazarus was really dead or not, whether he was sleeping or whether he had really died. Jesus said that he was sleeping, and the disciples took him literally at his statement. He later clarified in verse 14 that Lazarus was dead. It was also declared that Lazarus was dead when Martha said he had been dead four days and there was a stench. You see, the Jews believe that one's spirit left the body after the third day. So this is just further evidence that Lazarus was really dead. In verse 25, Jesus makes a statement of hope after Martha had acknowledged that the resurrection is an event far off, that she believed in the resurrection and Lazarus would have been resurrected in the future. Jesus declared, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, they will live. Now, most of us have heard this statement about Jesus, particularly at funerals. However, I don't think we listen to the whole sentence. We stop at the word resurrection. When in fact, Jesus declares, I am the resurrection and I am the life. He's simply making two facts. Something about the future, resurrection, and something about the present, life. And we often miss the fact that Jesus is for us right now. Right now in our lives. Right now in the midst of the pandemic. Jesus is not an insurance policy for the future. Jesus is about living life to the fullest right now, regardless of what might come our way. We're told in the scriptures that Jesus calls out to Lazarus, Lazarus, Come out, and said to the men, Unbind him and let him go. Then many of the 
Jews who had come with Mary and seen what Jesus had done believed in him. How often are we Lazarus in our own lives? How often do we cower in our own self-imposed graves? How often are we content not to see the light of Jesus Christ in our own lives? Yet this word from Christ is incredible good news. It is the lifeline for which we've been looking. It is good news then. It is also good news now. It's good news that for those of us in our graves behind stones rolled in front of us, Jesus says, come out. It's good news for those of us who live out of fear instead of joy. Come out. It's good news for those of us full of anxiety over the pandemic. Come out. It's good news for those of us intimidated by a boss or a family member. Come out. It's good news for those of us fretting about the stock market. Come out. It's good news for those of us hiding in our caves and just don't feel worthy of anything. Come out. It's good news for those of us scared about our future. Jesus says, come out. It is good news for those of us trying to live a double life. And Jesus says, come out. For often in our life, we entomb ourselves. We're content to just let things go and figure it is our, quote, cross to bear. We feel we're helpless and have nowhere to turn. We feel that no one else cares, so why should we? And we bind ourselves up with our grave cloths, our feet and hands with strips of cloth, and are content to stay behind the stone. We're unwilling to let the resurrection and the life touch us and free us and embolden us. We're unwilling to let Jesus be our friend so that we can live life fully. The Greek word for life here is zoe. It means a vibrant and energetic life lived for God's glory and praise. It's a life in which we are whole and complete and living not for ourselves but for God. It definitely is God-focused and God-centered in order for us to have a full life. It causes us to be infused about the things we do and the people we know. We're thrilled about living a life called by God for God's purpose. And the stress is not on us to figure everything out. Instead, it's on us to live fully and completely today and into the future. There is no better good news ever. And particularly now, good news as we trudge through some difficult and unchartered waters. Times that are causing us to live life differently. Yet, if Jesus is the resurrection and the life, he calls us now, in this moment, to begin to live fully and completely. Realizing opportunities and possibilities we only dreamed about. Realizing a future that is glorious and meaningful. Realizing whatever comes our way, God is there, even in the midst of a worldwide pandemic. Are you ready to shed those strips of cloth that bind you? Are you ready to allow Jesus to be your friend in a genuine way? Are you ready to come out into the light even the light of the world, Jesus Christ, who will lead you in a new path and a new direction. My friends, it's a new day. And I challenge you to claim it for God's sake, now and into the future. Let us pray. Eternal God, it is a different day. It's a new day. It's one we've never seen before. And yet in the midst of this tragedy, in the midst of this heartache, in the midst of not knowing what's going to happen next, we have good news that we're called to live life now fully, completely, totally. Empower us to do that, O oh God. And in doing that, we give you thanks, praise, and honor.
In the name of the light of the world, even Jesus Christ. Amen. Our hymn is What a Friend We Have in Jesus.
which also is his gift, their justification is to them a free grace. For our pastoral prayer this morning, there are several prayer concerns to be shared. Continued prayer for Jake Savage's mother as she recovers, I believe, from a fall that she had taken. Prayer for Cheryl Jacobs' mother, who is in hospice care, and her prayers are deeply appreciated. And also prayers for Helen Holt, who now lives in Tennessee, but was able to hear us last week on the radio. She's recovering from heart surgery. Let us pray together. Eternal God, indeed, we are living in times that we can't even figure out. Times that are quite different times that find ourselves wondering what's going to happen next. But also in these times, oh God, are, are, are springs of life that are happening. Where people are reaching out to one another, either by phone or by text, over the electronic devices, or checking in with people to make sure they're doing okay. There's even musical talents that are happening from balconies as people listen from afar. And there's incredible work going on by our health responders who find themselves in danger, but trying to be of help and assistance for those of us that have contracted the virus. So all is not negative and all is not bad. There are ways in which life is being lived it's being lived in a new and different way, but it's being lived and lives are being touched and people are being made whole. So praise and honor and glory to you, O oh God, that even in the midst of this kind of tragedy that we see every day on the news, you are working your wonders. You're allowing people to be resurrected, allowing people to have new life, allowing people to grow, allowing people to see a new direction for themselves. Continue to be with the leadership of this country, with the leadership of this state, with the leadership of our communities as they try to navigate these incredible days in front of us. It appears that it's not over by any means. In fact, we may not even reach the zenith of it yet, but we do know that your hand is there. We do know that we are not alone. We do know that we do not walk this valley by ourselves. And for that, oh God, we give you thanks and praise and absolute glory. For those around the world that are beset with this virus, oh God, allow them to have a sense of hope. Hope that they may not have thought possible, but hope that comes to them because of faith and belief in Christ. Many times, oh God, when you feel in these days so isolated and so alone, we find ourselves kind of turning inwardly more than we ought. So help us in our own small way to reach out and to touch someone else by a phone call, by a message, by a letter, by some way in which someone realizes someone else cares about and is willing to reach out to love them. Be with us, O oh God. We walk this valley, and yet we do not walk it alone. Allow us to know in new and different ways how your spirit is brooding, and how your spirit is at work, and how your spirit is alive and well. Help each of us in our own individual matters that have particular needs to reach out to you so that we might experience your grace and your peace. We thank our prayers in the name of Jesus Christ. And we do that as we pray with one another, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Again, we welcome all who worship with us over the radio and over the live broadcast, and pray that this service is one that gives you a sense of peace and a sense of hope. 
Let us know how we might uh, be of assistance to you. Let us know of ways in which we can be of help in these unusual and different times. Let us know how we can be in prayer for you as we take these next steps in the next days. Some announcements I'd like to share with the congregation and others. The blood drive of the American Red Cross is still scheduled for Good Friday from 9 to 3 in our fellowship hall. There's incredible need for blood. And so if you're able to give, please do come that day and be part of that drive so that others might be able to have the real gift of life through your blood. In line with the direction from the governor and other uh, state authorities, the session has decided that there will be no in-person gatherings until further notice. Um, and they also are working on ways in which we can stay connected in terms of our relationships with one another, either on electronic means or over the telephone or other ways like that. So watch for these opportunities. And we're working on this week, and we'll share with you some ways for us to celebrate Holy Week in different and creative kinds of ways. So listen out for that so that we might be able to celebrate the most Holy Week of the year as we prepare for Easter Sunday. We appreciate your prayerful support. We appreciate your personal support. And we also appreciate your financial ministry as well. There are several ways in which you can continue to support the work of the Grace Covenant Church, either through mailing in your offering, and your offering envelope is already addressed to this address or that, either through your bank or through online at uh, Grace Covenant's website. Uh, we thank you for all you've done and all you continue to do so that we might continue this ministry in the name of Jesus Christ.
oh God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for life. Life is it's intended to be lived as Jesus, the light of the world, showed us. May that be our gift to you, to live fully and completely for your kingdom and your kingdom's sake. Bless us in these days and all that we are and all that we do. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our closing hymn is, What Wondrous Love Is This?
For the past hour, you have been listening to the worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. We apologize for the technical difficulties that marred today's broadcast, including a loss of power for about 20 minutes during the sermon. Please join us again next Sunday through our radio ministry. Your announcer today has been John Harris and the engineer was Steve Kemp. This service streams live and can be accessed through the Grace Covenant website, which is grace-covenant.org. We now return you to Christian Talk Radio on WLES 590 AM. 97.7 FM has been um, technically off the air today, but will be restored for next Sunday's service. Thank you.